You know, oftentimes in the church today, you will hear the term kingdom growth. Preachers use this, churches use it in many of their, for lack of a better term, marketing uh, of the gospel as they attempt to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, as they all of us desire for people to know who Christ is, we want to use whatever means necessary, whatever means possible to get that message to folks. And oftentimes in doing that, we will use the term kingdom growth to describe what we're doing. But what does it really mean? What does kingdom growth mean? What do people mean by that phrase? Well, Jesus defines it for us in these two little parables that we read moments ago. And he defines kingdom growth in two ways. He says there are two types of growth that you will see within God's kingdom. Because when we refer to kingdom, we are naturally referring to God's kingdom. Not just any kingdom, but God's kingdom. Kingdoms will come and go as far as earthly kingdoms, but God's kingdom remains. It is eternal. It will always be. And it's always growing. And Jesus tells us in this passage of scripture how it is growing. It's growing in two ways. The first way that it is growing is that of numerical increase. It is growing bigger. And he uses an illustration here, very familiar to his hearers, the parable of the mustard seed. The mustard seed, you've heard this before probably if you've been in church long, was the smallest seed that you could plant. Yet it would grow into the largest plant in a garden in ancient Israel. And it would grow to such degree that birds would come and make their nest in this plant and find security there and find refuge and rest in the plant that it produced. And what Jesus meant by this is he meant for his hearers to understand that the kingdom of God is beginning in such a way that appears to be very humble. In fact, it it appears to be a a, a very, uh, as some might say, inauspicious kind of way. That is it. From all practical terms and by human terms and humanly speaking, it looks as though it has very little chance for success. The kingdom of God looked as though it had very little chance for success moving forward when you look at the fact that it was begun here on earth through a humble carpenter, Jesus Christ. Scripture indicates to us in the prophecies of the Old Testament, what we see of his life in the New Testament, that there was nothing really outstanding about Jesus in his person. He did not have an outstanding look. Uh, He was not outstanding in any way, shape, or form according to what the world might measure as outstanding. He was outstanding in some very important ways. Uh, He was and is God, right? Uh, He's outstanding and he did some great miracles. He's outstanding in what he was preaching and teaching. But he was not outstanding in that he was a very poor man. He was a very humble man. And he was a very ordinary looking man. And when we consider these things, which seemingly are so important to lasting or worldly success here on earth, we would say, well, this is a very strange beginning to things. And the outlook for success in this kingdom that he is planning here seems to be suspect at best. And yet we know that On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls came in to the church, came into the kingdom. And within 30 years after the founding of the church, Christians were on every country of the known world at that time. 
They were in the city of Rome, making huge impact all over the Roman Empire. What Jesus wants us to know here is that the kingdom of God grows, and it grows numerically. Now, some folks will say, you know, you cannot measure the health of a church by numbers. You cannot measure the health of the church by its size. But let me tell you something. One thing we can know, it may not be about its size, but one thing we do know is that you will be able to tell its health and determine its health by its growth. We should always be growing, always numerically be growing. If we're not, something is wrong. We are unhealthy. Something is not as it should be. The kingdom of God always grows numerically. And you see this throughout history. Through the course of persecutions, through the course of bad leadership, uh, through the course of all kinds of different difficulties and hardships, the kingdom of God continues to grow on earth. People continue to come to know Christ throughout all of human history since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God advances. Isn't that something? Jesus wants us to understand what kingdom growth is, and he begins it by saying it just grows numerically. That's what kingdom growth is. It is a numbers game, as some may call it, but a good numbers game, a right numbers game, and that the numbers always increase. You know, Jesus, when he was walking on the earth in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, The gates of hell, gates around any city, is a defensive measure. What Jesus is saying here is that my people, who are called by my name, as they seek my face, humble themselves as they go forward and share the gospel, my people are going to storm even the gates of hell, and the gates of hell won't prevail against them. See, this is a a numerical kind of growth because we're going after the lost and they're getting saved and they're coming into the kingdom and the kingdom is growing as the numbers increase. The number of people who know Jesus Christ increase. Not even hell itself can stop the kingdom of God on this earth expressed in us. His church. Isn't that something? You may have woke up this morning kind of tired, not feeling so great about yourself. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're one of His, you're a part of the kingdom of God. And nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you in Christ. Nothing can stop us as long as we're walking by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And following after Him and His kingdom growth. Nothing can stop us. Now, I want to stop right there for just one second. I want us to bow our heads. I want us to think about that for a minute. I want you and I to pray together about this for just one minute. Father, help us to understand. And Lord, may you tear down any stronghold in this place, any distraction, Lord, may you remove from us any distraction that would keep us from hearing 
and embracing, believing, and trusting, and having faith in what you want to teach us, and what you want us to know, and how you want us to be different. Lord, may we believe in you now and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to think about this for a minute. Nothing, not even the gates of hell, will prevail against the movement and the advancement and the growth of the kingdom of God in us. Jesus has decided to make us a part of what he's doing. He has decided to grow his kingdom by taking us and making us the primary method along with his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being primary and us being secondary, but a primary part of what he's doing on the earth to lead others to faith in him. And nothing that the enemy can do will stop it. So what is kingdom growth? Well, kingdom growth is numerical growth. We necessarily grow. It happens. It's a natural product of what happens in the church of Jesus Christ. And some people will say, well, you know, I like my small church. I always want it to stay small. I like small churches, right? Some people say those things and that's okay. But if your church is to remain the size that it is, it should remain so because it is planting churches all over town and sending people out to do that. If you want to be a part of a body of believers that always has about 150 people on Sunday morning in worship together, it should be because you're sending another 150 out every so often to start another church somewhere else in town, not because you have ceased to grow. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I'd like to to get together with a smaller group of, uh, kind of a smallish group of, of believers on Sunday morning so we can know each other and minister to one another as a small church. That's okay, but you shouldn't remain small as far as kingdom growth is concerned. We should be growing. We should be reaching people with the gospel. That's what happened in the early church. They just kept growing and growing and growing. We see these 3,000 folks that came to Christ on the day of Pentecost. But they had folks coming in daily because they were sharing their faith. And so should we. See, part of being... Involved in kingdom growth is being a part of the numerical growth of the kingdom of God. So who have you shared the gospel with lately? See, if we're growing in our faith and if we're growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ, and we're a part of kingdom growth as we understand kingdom growth described in this passage of scripture, then we're a part of folks coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We're a part of seeing the kingdom numerically increase as a little mustard seed grows into this great plant the kingdom of god is growing and becoming bigger all the time a place where people can find refuge security and rest but there's a second part of kingdom growth he goes on to give this illustration about the yeast he said what else is the kingdom of god like it is like the yeast of a, that a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Now this is an interesting illustration that Jesus uses here. Very much so because this is something, yeast is something that is generally, and in every other place in Scripture that you find, it's something to signify sin. It, it illustrates sin, but... But in this case, it illustrates something else altogether. 
And what Jesus is really saying is as yeast comes in, yeast gets into the dough and begins to break it down. It, it brings into the dough something that causes it to break down and in a sense, almost you could use the illustration of almost spoiling the dough a little bit so that it releases gases so that the dough rises into bread. And what happens is the gospel gets inside of us and we have this inward growth. And what it does first is produces a death to self and an end of who we are so that we may be raised to new life, that we may begin to experience life in Christ. And this growth that happens spiritually as we cease to become who we are and begin to become more and more like Christ is something ongoing that continues through the whole of our life. Kingdom growth involves numerical growth, but it also involves inward growth that continues in us throughout the whole of our life as we are sanctified and become more and more like Christ. I'm reminded of a, a little something I read this week about a fellow named Pablo Casals. Now, Pablo Casal, he was the greatest cellist of all time. And when he was 95 years old, a young reporter threw a question at him and said, Mr. Casals, you are 95 and the greatest cellist that ever lived. Why do you still practice six hours a day? To which the old man replied, because I think I'm making progress. See, it doesn't matter how old or young you are in this room. We are all advancing. We are all growing in Christ, in our relationship with Christ. Every day is an opportunity for us to know something of God that we did not know yesterday. Every day is an opportunity for us to experience Christ as never before. Every day is an opportunity for us to let go of some sin in our life, die to some part of ourself so we may live in Christ in a new way. You never arrive. You never cease to grow. You see, the unfortunate thing is, is that for a lot of folks, they reach a certain plateau in their life and their growth and think, this is about all it's going to be. You know, they think, well, when I was young and I was excited about my faith, you know, it seemed like I was growing like this. And then all of a sudden I leveled off and here I am on this great mesa, this great plateau where I'm just kind of walking along on level ground. Things are as they always have been for years and years and years. And if you're in that place, that's tragic. You're a walking tragedy. Because it was never meant to be that way. Christ says that this yeast is working its way in and through your life. That is, Christ is working His life in and through your life. Making you something and someone different than you've ever been before. And every day should be a day of growth. And He has given us means of grace for this. God has placed His Holy Spirit within us. A deposit guaranteeing our inheritance to come. But not just a deposit guaranteeing something that is to come, but the Holy Spirit as a ministry to us now convicts us of who God is, convicts us of the truth, convicts us of how to live our life, convicts us about what life is all about in the first place, teaching us about who God is. We have prayer. We have the word. We have sermons. We have teachings. We have brothers and sisters in Christ that the spirit will speak through. We have experience that God uses to teach us. Every day is an opportunity for us to know something about God that we have never known before, to experience God as never before, to participate in God and His kingdom and what He's doing in the world around us as we never have before. Isn't that something? You know, one of the most tragic things in life is to see someone who has ceased 
to grow as a person. And you see this happen in a variety of different ways. Sometimes it's someone who thinks they've learned all that they need to know in life. They're not really interested in learning anything else. Everything is as I think it is, right? No one can teach them anything. Another another way you'll see folks stunted in their growth will be sometimes physically. Think, well, I just, you know, I'm broken down. I'm tired. I can't do anymore. Sometimes that's the case. You may be physically disabled. Other times it's not. You're just lazy. Okay? It's just the facts. Get out and walk. All right? Some of us need to hear that more than others in here, right? You see, scientists have a, a, a term for something or someone or an, an organism that has ceased to grow. It's called dead. If you're not growing, you're dying and soon to be dead. And whether you're talking about that physically or spiritually, the same rings true. It holds true. See, we are meant to grow. We are meant from the time that we're born to the time we leave this earth to be growing. And the most important growth that we can have is spiritual growth. Paul mentions to us that there is benefit in physical growth, in physical exercise, and physically working out, but how much more so spiritually, the growth that we have. As we walk with Jesus Christ. There was a group of tourists that were walking through an old little small village one day. And they came upon an old man sitting next to a wall in the village. And went up to him and asked him. And he said, are there any or have there ever been any great men born in this town? Seems like a very simple question. Obviously, you would think to what movie stars do I know? What great musicians have I known? What great politicians have come from this place? Most of us would think in those terms. Most of us would think, who do I know who is famous, who was born in this town? But the man's response was something very different altogether. They asked him, he said, have any great men been born in this town? He said, no, only babies have been born in this town. And you know, we all enter life that way. Men and women, boys and girls, we begin this whole thing called life as little bitty babies. But we also spiritually enter the journey that way as well. When you place faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are a spiritual baby. You are a spiritual baby. And as the scriptures say, you are fed spiritual milk. God deals with you gently as a little baby. A spiritual baby. But you're never meant to stay that way. None of us. We're never meant to stay physical babies, are we? That would be an absurd proposition to stay a baby, an infant for the whole of your life. It's not something you would want for yourself or for anyone else. And yet oftentimes folks are very content to stay spiritually immature. Ignoring the great benefits, the wonder, the mystery, the joy of growing up. 
Jesus says there are two kinds of growth. One is just a simple numerical growth. Go make disciples. Necessarily the church should be growing if it's healthy. Because we're doing just that. Making disciples. He says there's also this second kind of growth. And it's an inward growth. It happens from the inside out as the Spirit of God convicts and ministers to you and teaches you things. And as you respond to the Spirit's call and you begin to act upon those things and your life begins to change and you begin to come, come, become different and you begin to reflect more and more the character of Christ and you become more and more like Jesus, that's growth. And that's the way it should be. That's who we are. Now, having said all of that, let me just bring things to a close here rather quickly. But Listen carefully, please, to what I'm going to say next. Sometimes it's very easy to understand and comprehend something that is true. This is probably one of those days, right? I mean, this is not deep theology where you're left scratching your head saying, what did he say? And I don't know. I mean, what do what? sometimes we read scripture that way, right? I mean, if you want to do that, just go read the book of Hebrews today. You have to read it slow. You have to pray over it. There are very deep things in that book. Very rich, very meaningful, very good things in that book. But oftentimes as we go through and as we walk through the book of Hebrews, we're left with some questions and some things that we have to think about on deep levels. This is probably not one of those mornings for you, right? The preacher said two things this morning. The church grows numerically, and I'm supposed to grow spiritually inside out. Easy. Right? Simple. We all get that. Now, the real question is, is are we doing that, right? I mean, we could ask ourselves some very rich questions today. Who are the Rangers going to play in the first round of the playoffs? Only Pastor James thought they were going to be there in May, but that's another story, right? Will the Cowboys win today without Des Bryant? That's rich, right? Complicated questions, interesting questions. There are all kinds of things that we face in life that, that are fun to talk about, interesting to talk about. We can sit and sometimes talk about complicated things. Sometimes it's fun just to talk about things that can't be known, just allowing our imagination. What's heaven going to be like? What's it going to be like that first day in heaven, that first moment in heaven? What's it going to be like to, to go there and see Christ face to face? What's it going to be like in that moment when we leave here and open our eyes there? It's fun to think about, isn't it? You know, what's fun to think about too is what's it going to be like 10,000 years from now? And it's not like we're going to be operating in time and actuality. We're not going to really be measuring it that way. But, but if we were 10,000 years from now, what's it going to be like? I, I mean, Am I going to sit down with Van over a cup of coffee? Because I'm pretty sure there's coffee in heaven. Don't you agree? Amen. So will I sit down to a cup of coffee? You know, we could eat buttermilk pie there and it doesn't affect anything at all. It's going to be great. So we like to imagine these things. We like questions. We like to think about questions. But, but oftentimes it's the very simplest of things that trip us up the most, isn't it? Because applying them to our lives can often be very Seemingly so complicated. Kingdom of God involves numerical growth. It means that we share our faith. It means that we are as we go. And that's what that 
passage means in, in Matthew when he's giving us the Great Commission. He says, as you go. If you read in the original language, it means as you're going about your life, make disciples. It's not an intentional thing in the sense that we pack up our bags and we launch ourselves out on a mission journey. It's as you get up in the morning and go to work and as you get up and go to wherever it is you're going for your day, as you encounter people, you are making disciples. Are you sharing Christ? Are you a part of kingdom growth as Jesus intends for us to do so? We have more opportunity to be a part of that than any generation in the history of mankind. Do you realize that? Because we have social media, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, and a great host of other things we don't even know about yet. We have an opportunity to share our faith. We're the most mobile group of people, most mobile group of human beings that have ever been on the face of the earth. We go more places and encounter more people than any group of human beings who have ever lived at any point in time prior to this moment. And it's an exciting time to live because of all those things and so many more. We have an opportunity to do the as we're going as no people ever have before. And so the real question is, is when you get up in the morning, are you praying and asking God, God, make me aware of where I'm at, what you're doing, and the opportunities I have right in front of me to be a part of your kingdom growth. You don't need a mission trip. You don't need some specific invitation as you go. Are you showing people Jesus? Are you showing Jesus to the world in which you live? See, it's a little more complicated than the original question, isn't it? Because there are a lot of reasons we give ourselves for why we can't do it. I'm so busy. I don't want to offend anybody. I might be ridiculed. Folks might make fun of me and and not want to be my friend anymore. We give ourselves all kinds of reasons. We're afraid. We have fears. Get over it. None of it matters. And 10,000 years from now, when I'm sitting down to coffee and buttermilk pie with Van, we're not going to be concerned about what other people thought about us here, right? And neither will you. All that's going to matter is what we did as we went to make disciples. You see, the legacy of our life is kingdom growth. You may never have known that till this morning. Your real legacy and my real legacy in this life is kingdom growth. Being a part of it, outwardly and inwardly. As we're a part of seeing other people come to know Christ and as we ourselves grow in Christ. And that's the second thing here. I don't want to let us off the hook so easily this morning without talking about that just one more moment as we talk about application this morning. You see... Knowing about kingdom growth is one thing. Knowing it's something that should be a part of our life is one thing. But is it a part of our life? The application of it, the actual doing of it, is something different altogether. Now, I have a little surprise ending here I'm going to give you in just one second. But but you need to just understand that it's something that can be done, something you can be a part of, this inward growth. It's just a matter of willingness to see it happen. It means giving something of ourselves. It means pursuing God. It means loving Him first. It means making Him the priority. It means truly believing and living as though He is your God, not just giving lip service to the fact that He might be. See, 
inner growth is something you participate in as you go as well. Paul says, pray without ceasing. It's supposed to be an ongoing kind of thing, our relationship with God. question is, are you doing it? Are you taking time to know him? Are you taking time to love him? Are you taking time to enjoy the relationship with him? And I said I had a surprise ending. The greatest paradox in all of mankind and all of history is this. You and I can do absolutely nothing to change ourselves. We say, well, maybe we should have started with that, right, this morning, huh? See, I, I want to be more evangelistic. I want to share my faith more. I want to grow in my relationship with Christ more. I bet, I'd venture a guess that each of us want to. And I venture that each of us, a guess that each of us, on this last point, as I was summing things up and talking about application, I've sat there this morning saying, I really do wish that could be true of me. I really do wish I could do more of those things, participate in those things and be a part of kingdom growth. But I'm not sure really that I will because I've been around long enough to know who I am, how I am and what I am and probably going to be this way the rest of my life. And I'm not sure what it's going to take to change me. And here's the good news this morning. You can't change yourself and no one else in this room can change you either. The only one who can change you is God. The only one that can change you is his Holy Spirit within you. And here's the real kicker. We just have to come to a place this morning where we pray the prayer and say, God, I'm willing to be different. Please change me. Lord, I can't do this on my own. Would you do it in me? See, we go to God and say, God, I'm sorry for my sins and I repent of those. Lord, would you keep me in repentance? Because unless you change me, I'll never be any different. We go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to make disciples as I go. And I'm willing to do that. I want to do that. The desire of my heart is to do that. So, Lord, would you do that in me? Would you change me? Would you make me different? Lord, would you make me willing to be different? Lord, would you just work something in me to change who I am? Because unless you do, I'll never be any different than I am today. See, it just starts with a simple willingness and a simple submission to God. A realization that we can do nothing on our own, but that he can do everything in us. He's a gentleman. He's kind. He allows us the opportunity to ask. He allows us the opportunity to submit. He allows us the opportunity to come to him and say, Lord, Lord, Lord. The question is, is will you do it this morning with regard to these two things? that are a part of our legacy, our true legacy, a part of kingdom growth. Growing the kingdom and growing the kingdom. Growing the kingdom and growing the kingdom. And say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. And you know what? Listen, if you don't remember anything else, you'll remember this last thing, and that is this. You didn't do anything to get yourself here in the first place, did you? Did you do anything about getting born? So that's probably not good English. Kim's not here today. Don't anybody tell her I said that. Did you? Did you have anything to do with that? No. You had absolutely nothing to do with your existence, did you? Coming into existence, coming into being. You had absolutely nothing to do with when you were born, 
where you were born, or even if you were born, period, at all. Nothing to do with your self-consciousness, with the fact that you're conscious you're here. Nothing to do with any of those things. Did you have anything to do with your salvation? So I prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. Well, who brought you to the realization that he was your Savior and he was your Lord? Who wooed you? Who wooed your heart? Who grabbed a hold of you? The Holy Spirit of the living God. See, God spoke all this to existence. He determined that you would exist. And then he determined to save you. You say, well, you sound a lot like a Calvinist this morning. Some of you theologians out here. But listen, it's a paradox. I believe it's a truly a paradox. It's not just all that God said this one's saved and that one's not. I really believe that God has desire for all of us to be saved. And he has done the necessary work of making that happen. He woos our hearts and he gives us the opportunity to say, Lord, Lord. Jesus, I want your salvation. God has done everything and every respect for the whole of our lives. And it's now a matter of us saying, Lord, Lord, would you do in me what only you can do? Lord, Lord, would you save me? Because I need your salvation and I can't save myself. And now as believers in Christ, we say, Lord, Lord, I want to go and make disciples. And Lord, Lord, I want to grow and my relationship with you, would you do in me what only you can do? Because I can't do it for myself any more than I saved myself or even created myself in the first place. It's all you. It's all you. So this morning, if you're one of those folks here who say, I don't think I can ever be any different than I've ever been. Or you're one of these folks that have been walking along on the plateau for a long time, thinking that this is all life's going to be until you die. And your level of growth has been so minute that you just simply can't even measure it in your own mind. If you're one of the folks this morning that as you listen to the first part of the sermon, you said, I I really want that, but I really don't believe that for myself. This morning, then I would say during the moment of invitation that you would just come to God and say, God, I confess to you. I need you. I confess to you my sin of not walking with you and growing in you. And I confess my desire to be a part of your kingdom growth. And I believe you can do it in me. Lord, I can't do it myself. Would you do it in me? Would you do it in me? Would you change me? Would you change me and make me the man, the woman that you intended for me to be? Let's bow together in prayer.